Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. The Gospel of John, quickly this morning, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I tried to get over on into this last week. You know, when the Spirit of God moves, we want Him to move. And because the Holy Ghost can do more in five seconds than man can do. But you know, we need the Word. Uh, the, we need to feed the sheep. Amen. Uh, the, 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 the pastor needs to feed the sheep and the sheep need to eat. Everybody say, I need to eat. Chapter 1, verse 1, Gospel of John. Studying the subject of redemption. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, that, that's a great scripture to meditate on to help get into your spirit the importance and the reality of the Word of God. Can I get a better amen than that? Now, years ago, uh, uh, when I was in Bible school and, and, and coming up and, and, and getting ready for ministry, preparing uh, uh, at, a, at a Bible study, Sister Frances Ward made this statement that has stuck with me for 35 years, and that was this. You can have no greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with this book right here. Amen? I mean, you ought to tear up Bibles. You ought to go, they ought to be, you know, every year or two, you ought to have to get a new Bible because the one that you have is so marked up, so dog-eared, you know, got so many uh, places in it. Uh, literally, I can take you back to my office and show you five Bibles that I had at a time in which I was in field ministry. And literally, Romans, from about Romans to about the end of Thessalonians are literally just ripped out of the Bible. I mean, the pages are stained, they're tore up, they're marked up, there's ink all over. And literally, you can't even really look and see the Scriptures anymore because I just lived in Romans chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all in the letters to the church. That was I was preaching it, I was living in it, I was confessing it. And listen, it had a major impact on my life. You know, a lot of people, under, uh, they look at the Word of God, they look at God. I was thinking about this the other day when, when I was, I'd been talking to somebody about the Lord and witnessing to Him, and I think... People, they say, well, I know God, and they kind of say that like, like I know Elvis or I know John Wayne. Well, we know who some people are because of their work or because of uh, uh, something that they've left in the earth. But God wants to know you and wants you to know Him, not like we know Elvis or John Wayne. He wants us to know Him like you know your most intimate partner in your life. You will find God and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ the Word of God, and the Holy Ghost more intimate than even a husband-wife relationship. You say, how can you say that? Because I've experienced that. I've experienced a closeness to the Lord, a closeness to His heart. I mean, I'm going to nations of the world, standing in front of, of great crowds of people teaching the Word of God in missions conferences where there's, you know, 4,000 pastors there. you got all these congregations represent. You feel the heartbeat of God and the desire of God for His people. And even here at Island Church, when I get up and teach the Word of God and look out across the congregation, see different needs, see different things I know that's going on in people's life, believing God with God's provision for you in your life, you feel the heartbeat of God and His desire even being greater than my desire for you to receive from Him. That takes intimacy with God. 
Redemption, the subject of redemption, brings you into that place of intimacy. When you begin to find out who you are, what you have, what you can do in Christ, and when you begin to see Jesus as the Word, He is the Word, was the Word, forever will be the Word of God. And we try to figure out these things with our minds. Our minds are so limited when it comes to what we can, you know, pick up with our intellect. You say, well, how can these things be? Well, don't worry about that. Just thank God they be. Amen. You know, all the words that we put great value on, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, legislation that protects people, does things like that. You know, we put great emphasis upon those words, how powerful those words are. When we get up and say the Pledge of Allegiance, how powerful those words are. But those words are not a person. Let me try that again. Those words are not a person. These words are a person. I said these words are a person. This, this word is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. This word is Jesus. And every time you get the word, you get Jesus. Every time you hang out with the word, you hang out with Jesus. Every time you meditate, listen to, or read the word, you're hanging out with Jesus. And you can't help but get what he has if you hang out with him. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. All things were made by him. That's profound. And without him was not anything made that was made. That means the word. If I say the word. Every molecule of the material, including our bodies, including the, the metal in this ring, the, 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 the fabric in this suit, the, the, the plastic in this pulpit, everything that is in the material realm is made up of the word of God. That's hard to figure out. Don't try. Don't try to figure out. Just thank God that it is. Amen? And when you begin to realize, I remember reading in the, I believe it was Newsweek magazine, years ago I was flying on a flight over to Europe, uh, the mystery of the, uh, uh, the, the quark, Q-U-A-R-K. Now I've since looked it up and made sure what I read was true. But if you go study it, you'll find out that they begin to, you know, they, they begin to find out the small uh, particles, the molecules. They begin to dissect the molecules into all the different, you know, what is it, the protons, neutrons, all. But then they found, and then they got down to the atom, thinking that the atom was the smallest particle of, uh, of matter. But then they went beyond the atom and found the quark. And that the quark was something, the only way they could describe it was this. It looks like that the quark was a sound wave that moved into the material. Well, that lines right up with, and God said. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be a firmament, the stars, the moon, the sun. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was good. Listen, everything that exists and consists is made up of the Word of God, and that Word is Jesus. Glory to God. Mm -mm -mm. In Him was life. Now there's where I wanted to get to last week. In Him was life. That's the word zoe. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Now, since we're in John, go to John 10 real quick. Then we're going to go over to Romans. Get into the real redemptive meat of this. John chapter 10, verse 10. Now this is a, one of those scriptures you need to mark in your Bible, your iPad, however you take notes or mark things. This is the dividing line of what is and is not when it comes to the gospel. Now let me say that again. This is the dividing line 
of what is and is not. You say, well, now why are you telling us this, Pastor? The reason is because when you get out into Christianity, so much negative, so many bad things, they referenced God in it. We had a horrible tornado over in Alabama last week. 23 people died. I think 90 people were injured. People would say, how could God allow that? God would never allow that. God would never allow that. Well, He's God. He could have stopped it. Now, see, that's, that's why you've got to study redemption. To find out really how much access does God have to this earth. The only access God has to, that, to this earth is us. That's why at Island Church, during hurricane season, we pray against hurricanes. We pray against spring storms. We pray against anything that looks like it's going to be inclement because we know that is not of God. That's of our adversary, the devil. You say, now how can you say that? John 10, 10. Now listen to it. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now the thief being spoke of here is Satan or the devil. His ministry is to steal, is to kill, is to destroy. His nature is to steal, is to kill, is to destroy. His method of operation is to steal, is to kill, is to destroy. Nothing that is of God has any assimilance to stealing, killing, and destroying. You say, well, Pastor, I've had some things stole out of my life, some things killed out of my life, some things destroyed. Out. And I, I really believe that was God trying to teach me something. God does not use the devil to teach his children. Amen. I ought to get a better amen than that. God does not use disease. He does not use poverty. He does not use lack. He does not use depression. Well, I really learned something going through that. No, if you really check up on yourself, you learned something coming out of that. You didn't learn something in that. Because God would never... And see, everybody goes back to Job. The oldest book in the Bible, which means it's the Bible with least revelation. Well, let me ask you a question. Go study Job, but do it with this mindset. Make sure everything that you equate to God or Job or one of his friends is to them. Like, like at funerals, they always say, Well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God never said that. One of Job's goofy friends said that. But one of the great things that Job said, what gives us revelation today, was this. That which I greatly feared has come upon me. He was trying to do spiritual work with fear in his heart. And it cost him. That opened the door for the enemy. That opened the door for Lucifer. We see God pull back the veil. And there's a devil up in heaven making accusations against Job. But he couldn't completely destroy him. And the good news is, read the end of the book of Job. He got ten times more than anything the devil ever tried to steal from him. And it wasn't God trying to teach him a lesson. Amen. Now notice it again. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that they might have life. Come on. You need to get that. But you say, now why do, why do I need to get that? Because this is what you possess. This is what is in you, whether you realize this, recognize this or not. This Zoe, life of God, is what came into you the second you got born again. I am come that you might have life. Now we could just shout and run and dance and have a I am come that you might have life seminar for a week. But that's not the end of the scripture. I am come that you might have life 
and that you might have it more abundantly. So it's not just that God gives you life. It's that God gives you an abundant life. Now listen, this life is on the inside, and I think the problem many times we face is not really giving recognition to what we don't see and not really appreciate the value of it. Amen? You know, if you never appreciated your blood, you know that red stuff that flows in your veins? If you get a big old gash on you and it starts leaking out, it's amazing how appreciative you can become of your blood. Amen? I mean, how many have ever seen your brain? <laughs> Somebody said, what brain? We've never seen our brain, but it operates every day and works and functions. Amen? And so much of it is conscious, so much of it is unconscious, but it's still the God-created brain that He put into our... And we don't see we don't see the organs of our body. They are there, they're functioning, and they're operating. And even though you don't see Zoe, it is there, it is functioning, and it is operating. The Zoe of God, the life of God, the light of God, the goodness of God, the love of God is in you. Everybody say, it's in me. Now, go to the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Ugh, this is a, we'll go as far as we can. I won't, I won't go crazy, but I might. You never can tell. <laughs> chapter 6, verse 1, Romans. Everybody say, Romans. Now we're studying who we are, what we have, what we can do in Christ, and we've come and kind of segregated or separated the subject of the life of God being in you. Therefore, you can understand the new creature, you can understand the righteousness of God, and you can understand the motivations that come up out of your spirit. It says, what say, what shall, we, shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Everybody knows the answer. That's no. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that to so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. Everybody say death. Now let me help you. There's no water in this scripture. This is not talking about water baptism. This is speaking of being born again or being baptized into the body of Christ. Three baptisms. Everybody say three baptisms. We see that over in the book of Hebrews chapter 6. There are three baptisms, part of the basic doctrines of Christ. There's first of all, and most important, baptism into the body of Christ, which is salvation or being born again. Secondly, being endued with power. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. Third, the ordinance of the church, water baptism. You say, what's the most important? Salvation. You can get water baptized all day long. All you're going to be is a wet sinner, as a dry sinner going down in water, coming up a wet sinner. Amen? You must, Jesus said it, you must be born again. Everybody say born again. Then it is very important to obey the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is an invitation to the world. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Baptism in the Holy Ghost is a command from Jesus Christ, the head of the church, your Lord and Savior, where he said that you must be endued with power. That's an inward, everybody say inward, and an outward working of the Spirit of God. All of this has to do with the life and light of God. Amen? It says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now you say, well, why death? Now remember as we studied the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, death is your separation. 
Remember, anytime we're dealing with the subject of death, when it comes to humanity, it does not mean the cessation of life. It means separation. So when we begin and we step into the new birth and we are baptized into Christ, the first thing we're baptized into is into His death. And His death separates us from everything that we were when we were born into the human family. Everybody say, thank God for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is my death. I'm dead to sin, dead to drugs, dead to alcohol, dead to depression, dead to disease, dead to poverty, because His cross is so powerful. Amen. We are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in, there's that word again, newness of zoe, newness of life. Newness of life. Everybody say newness of life. Now literally, the scripture we used last week, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He delivered us through death. He translated us through resurrection. The cross, everybody say the cross and the empty tomb. The cross and the empty tomb. His death separated us from everything wrong with us through our first birth. The empty tomb guarantees the Zoe of God is in you. Now, without getting too deep into this, how's my time? Well, we'll go, we'll go a little deeper. Go down to verse... Go to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Everybody say, he that is dead. Now, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, trying to remember the exact reference. But the scripture says, for the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto them that are saved, it is the power of God. Now, two things relevant, and I'll close. Number one, death. Everybody say death. He that is dead is free. Now, there is a unique property to physical death. You say, what do you mean physical death? A person laying up here in a casket all dressed up real pretty ready for the rapture. You say, what do you mean by that? Don't get cremated. You get real quiet in here, doesn't it? You say, why well, don't get cremated? See, heathen people cremate their loved ones because they have no hope of resurrection. You say, well, I tell you, the funeral industry got rich off caskets and dressing. Listen, they do that for a reason. They put a hinge on it. They dress you up. And they do that in expectancy of one day that box coming open and you coming out. Well, can't God just, just draw all my molecules? Yes, he can and he will. But you ought to die in faith. I don't know who that's for, but you need to hear that. Amen? 
So we must understand that the first thing we enter into is death, and death separates us from everything that was wrong with us because of our first birth. We have literally entered into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you can literally say, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things are new for me. And when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, you're not the same person you used to be, you can say, that person's dead. They can say, no, he's standing right there. Say, no, he's dead. How did he die? He died on the cross with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you're dead, you're freed. So physical death happens. So you're laying here in your casket. But, you know, you owed some money on your car. So the guy from the car dealership comes up here and looks in your casket and says, hey, wait a minute, buddy. You haven't paid your car off yet. What are you going to do? You're just going to lay there. Behind him is the mortgage guy. Amen. Walks up to you and says, hey, you had not paid your mortgage off yet. You're just going to lay there. Because you're freed. I said you're freed. Amen. And then here comes the guy, you know, with the bottle of tequila. And says, let's go, let's go get drunk. What are you going to do? You're dead. You're just going to lay there. Amen. You're just going to lay there. Uh, you know, another guy comes up with some drugs. No, you're, you're dead to all of that. Just as a person in a casket is dead to all of the activity of their life that was going on while they were living, so also in the spirit realm, you're dead to all the activity of death that was working in your life before you got born again. Now see, the problem is you got that same guy in the casket and you walk up to him and, and you lean over and you say, let me tell you about so-and-so in the church and that guy jumps out of the casket. You say, what do you mean by that? That's the problem with a lot of Christians. They're dead to everything until something comes into their life that is not of God that they're interested in. Gossip, hate, strife, division. Then they jump out of the box. I just thought I was dead. That's when you got to take that word. Everybody say, take that word, which is life and light working in you, and you've got to be to run off the death out of your life. Now, secondly, and I'll close with this one, inheritance. In order to receive any inheritance, someone has to, has to die. Now, Jesus died as the one who needed to die to produce your brand new inheritance. Not only that, he has risen from the dead to literally be the attorney who works in the probate court of the universe in order to act on the will that he left on the earth. Now, what is an inheritance? Now, you can go through all kinds of definition with that word. We could talk about Physical inheritance where people look like their mom, look like their dad, walk like their mom, walk like their dad, talk like their mom, talk like their dad, which is very scary when you grow up. <laughs> Amen. Some every once in a while, somebody will get my number instead of my dad's number, and when I answer, they always go, George! I say, and I always say, you looking for the preacher or the lawyer? I'm looking for the lawyer. You sound just like your daddy. So inheritance literally means there's something transferred to you at birth that at a certain point in time in which there is the death of someone who transferred that to you, you're going to get a download. Everybody say a download. Yeah. 
So we live on the negative side of inheritance and we say things like, well, you know, mama was a drunk, mama was depressed, daddy was a drug addict, you know, I mean, uh, daddy had a temper, uh, you know, mama was always worried. And we always live on the negative side of the download of that inheritance, not realizing Jesus provided a death. And where all of the negative things of your first birth you used to claim, you say, what do you mean claim? Well, you know, pastor arthritis just runs in my family. You know, cancer runs in my family. Diabetes, it just runs in my family. Poverty, it just runs in my family. You're not in that family anymore. And the problem is we do not realize that that is such a complete separation from the old life and a complete baptism into the new life that God deposited His own Spirit on the inside of us to secure that and make sure we not only know it but experience it. Cancer does not run in your family anymore. Drug addiction doesn't run in your family anymore. Depression, prejudice, hate, fear does not run in your family anymore. You say, why? Because you are dead to it. And now the life, the Zoe of God has risen you up as the new creature that God has preordained you to be. That's the only area in which predestination is relevant. You say, what do you mean? God predestines every person that says yes to the Lord Jesus Christ to be conformed into the image of His will. Now, if God, listen, if God predestined anything in life, I think we ought to walk in the reality. He predestined you to be healed. He predestined you to be set free. He predestined you to be prosperous. He pre- Quit fighting against it and allow it to begin to work in your life because everything else is a choice until the day you get born again. And the day you get born again, there is a predestined will. There is a predestined purpose. There is a predestined destiny. And there's all the tools, equipment, and things that you need to walk in it. In Jesus' name. Don't trade it for something else. Don't trade it for something else. We are buried, uh, uh, dead with Him, risen with Him, and seated with Him in heavenly places. And those things right there secure the reality that the life of God is in us, working in us. Everybody say, working in me. Let's say it like this. Coming to me, working in me, and working through me. We get the life, it affects us, then we go out and affect other people with it. And that is how the gospel works. And that is why redemption is so important. Everybody say, I'm a new creature. In Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new for me. Thank you, Father. I'm buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so, I also walk, live, and exist in the newness of the Zoe, the life of God. Now lift your hands and thank God for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the life of God. Father, we thank you today for your word, for your life, your spirit, your goodness, your mercy, and your grace unto us. Father, we thank you that as we leave today, these redemptive realities will dawn upon our spirit man, realizing that in us the life of God exists. That life adheres to the word. That life is the word. And because of that, all of the promises of God are in Christ. Yes, so be it to the glory of God by us. Therefore, for our congregation, 
those that are here today, those that were unable to attend, we declare the protection and provision of God. Psalms 91, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Therefore, we declare in travels, airways, seaways, airways, highways, railways, every way of travel and transportation, we are the protected of God. In the righteous labor of our hands, in education, in medicine, out in the ocean, up in the oil patch, in retail, everywhere we go, everything we do, we are not subject to trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. For we do abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Father, let us ever be aware and ever recognize and realize the door of utterance opened unto Island Church as we go forth into the community as ministers of reconciliation, ministers of restoration, ministers of encouragement, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Freely we have received, freely we give in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We leave today. We love you so much. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love each other. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.